At last, the Belgian GP is here. This one is a Grand Prix of skill, a Grand Prix of immense intensity, a Grand Prix of racing where you can actually take part and go wheel to wheel on the circuit. But also, ladies and gentlemen, a Grand Prix of reluctance. Because don't forget that had it not been for some really last minute string pulling, this race would have been off the Formula 1 calendar. This time next week, I'm sure we're all going to be writing in so many letters to Formula 1 saying, Formula 1, please don't drop it. Because this circuit always delivers, whether you're a driver, whether you're a fan, whether you're just a broadcaster as well, because everyone loves the Belgian GP. And that's what we're going to be talking about. But there's a cloud of uncertainty around the circuit canal, because according to the eyes of so many experts, drivers, media people, or even commentators, Belgium is no longer safe. What? Yeah, I mean, when you said the race of reluctance, mm-hmm. I also thought you were going down that way, that the whole Oro-Radillon section mm-hmm. is where, unfortunately, we lost a very young driver a few weeks ago. Yep. And then four years ago was when we lost another driver, you know, Antho and Hubert. And what has happened in terms of changing or making the circuit safer? Pretty much nothing, which is why I think mm-hmm. Lance Stroll and Pierre Gasly, two drivers that have you know been outspoken about, hey, should the race actually go ahead? Is it safe enough or not? We'll talk about whether it's safe or not. But yes, on one hand, there is Formula 1. Of all the races they can replace, they always find Spa, which is like, is somebody paying me more money? Spa, you're off the calendar. Okay, and that's what happens. So that's one hand is Formula 1 wanting to replace Spa. And the other hand, it's all this whole safety talk. (laughs) But we're going to banter a lot through the next 20-25 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And banter is going to be the talking point, Sundaram, because for some reason, it seems like Formula 1 just does not want any circuit that can offer us good racing. Who in their right minds would even think of dropping Spa? I mean, I know once the weekend is done, that feeling will be aggravated a little bit. But even heading in, it just makes me wonder and scratch my head thinking, this circuit, like, would you want to want, what do you want to drop this, this beauty, this masterpiece? That's what surprises me as well, because Spa has always remained one of the most iconic circuits in Formula 1. It's been there since the very first uh, championship season. So in that sense, it's, it's it's a great track, a great locality, and I'm sure everyone loves uh, the track as well. But surely for a lot of safety reasons or even financial reasons, Spa is the number one circuit when it comes uh, to chopping and changing. Uh, there's also been a few ideas floated of Spa being... Uh, mm-hmm a track that just comes and goes every alternate year. But I would be very disappointed if, if Spa goes away. But uh, most definitely we need to get past the whole safety concerns and ensure that it's safe for all the drivers to drive. But I would be very gutted if Spa has dropped. Let's get to safety in a minute. We firstly need to introduce the podcast. And we also need to talk a little bit more about who will be most disappointed if Spa has dropped. Because Kunal, Max Verstappen last year won from this one at this circuit from P14. He's only getting better. The dominance is only getting uh, exacerbated. Ferrari are struggling even more. Mercedes are haphazard and haywire. McLaren seemingly are scared of slow corners. That's what Lando Norris has said in the media of all the things. Uh, what's the gap going to be like this weekend? 33 seconds was in Hungary. Let's just take a bet. 55, 57, something thereabouts. I mean, you know, there are maybe two- a lap. <laughs> I would say it could be down to whether or not we have a safety car and when we have it and when the race is neutralized. Safety cars apparently very high in frequency around Spa. I think since 2014, 
apart from two races, all the races have had a safety car. So that's one. Second is if Max is actually being pushed, because that's what Helmut Marko said just mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, saying he finished 33 seconds ahead in Hungary. He could have been a lot more. He was just not pushing at all. But I'll tell you the gap that I am most interested in, and I say this every episode, it's the gap in Q1, you mm-hmm. know. How far will P1 uh, or how, how far ahead will P1 be from P20? Because we've seen the gap be less than a second, just about a second and, and so on. So I am absolutely excited about what qualifying is going to be. Remember, there's two qualifying. Yes. There are two races. There are also, guys, there are two race screenings we are hosting in Mumbai this weekend. Not bad. Yes, we are going to have two race screenings at one weekend at last. Firstly, one at Dadar Social, where it will be Kunal and myself. And then we finally are going to explore Malart Social as well in the north of Mumbai. The place is incredible. It's like an amphitheater-like setup. A hundred people could easily come in there. And we normally do have a crowd of that sorts as well. So it'll be awesome to join all of you in there, watching the race together, discussing it. And the best part of it all, Sundaram, there's nothing quite like discussing a race like the Belgian Grand Prix with the community. Because I remember we've watched and we've been a part of so many race screenings for Belgium. The fact that we get so much good racing in turn one, so much good racing in lap one, and then eventually the fact that this circuit also has four or five different opportunities where you can legitimately pass, every single time we have a race screening there, the crowd goes bonkers. And I think what really makes this screening more impactful is the fact that we won't have F1 for three more weeks after that. Oh, exactly. Uh, this is one of the one of my more favorite races from the season. Also, the fact that racing in general uh, looks a lot more interesting in that sense. Whenever someone overtakes someone uh, on the Camel Straight, it looks a lot more exciting, and probably that's why it erupts and it results in a lot of people erupting and in happiness and excitement but uh, yeah it's, it's great to be finally back at one of the screenings and speaking with so many people i'm really looking forward to that um, and i'm also expecting to see a very different race i suppose because weather's also um, going to play some sort of part through all three days so i don't think so it's going to be very straightforward you know since it's an iconic circuit i'm going to first say my favorite corner name. And then I'm going to ask you both what your favorite corner names are. Okay. So this gives you all like 10 seconds to think of it. My favorite corner. And this is after Eau Rouge and Radillon. We'll still have that whole thing that some podcast will throw up saying, is it really Eau Rouge? Is it Radillon? Oh, We've settled that it. debate long get time ago. It. Yeah. But my favorite corner is Poha. Yes. And, and as an Indian, it reminds me of Poha, which is probably one of my favorite breakfast things i know daddy joke there <laughs> for all non-indians listening poha is very very tasty it's more like a breakfast like a snack made of rice flakes but Samal, you what? could have described poha better it's 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 like homecoming it's a sense of especially in the monsoons especially in the monsoon you feel yeah. such a sense of warmth and familiarity when it goes through your body no uh poha side that's that's poha left-handed Flat out. But it is the best corner in the entire circuit because I know you erosion. Mean, you bl- mean not in the entire on the entire calendar? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Because when we do 130R, which is pretty similar, left-handed, flat out, like, oh my god, that's the best corner. But anyway, Poh- I think Poh- Degner, the first Degner is the best corner in the entire yeah, circuit. Yeah. But, oh yeah, that takes it. Uh, yeah. But but Pohon, the point being, it 
goes underneath the shadows quite a lot because there's not a corner that challenges a driver's neck as much as that one. I don't want to go into the technicalities because I think it's better off hearing a driver when uh, sharing those experiences. But just the way the corner goes long, left-handed, looping in. And if you have if you have a car that's that planted that the modern-day Formula 1 cars are, you can just feel like the car is on rails, especially when you watch one of those uh, camera footages from one of the Marshall posts. Because if you're just standing still over there, the way the car zips past and then the entire second sector, right, Sundaram? Because we have the piff-paff section as well. That is a proper showcase of what a modern Formula 1 car can actually do. And that, for me, is why Spa just cannot be dropped. You have Eau Rouge and Radio, you have Puha, but you have a completely different sort of corner as well when you get to the bus stop and then you're checking out how the drivers can brake and turn in and move around so well. It's, it's just a perfect challenge, this circuit. I just can't can't understand why, A, some people don't like it. I think it's just one of those social stigma things that, hey, I want to look cool, so I'll say I don't like Spa. But B, why F1 wants to drop it in the first place? I have a question. First of all, is there still a bus stop chicken? Or is it called just the chicken? Interesting point. You know, uh, because the bus stop-like area was is actually gone, is it not? They, they, they replaced it in the mid-2000s. Unfortunately. The one thing that I really loved was that the name of that corner. Now it is just the chicane, but chicane, the good yes. old oldies and it's hence the bus stop chicane even <laughs> in my head. But you guys haven't answered my question. What? Sundaram, your favorite corner around the Spa Franco shops. It is the last corner. That's why I mentioned chicane because making one mistake around that corner probably means that you have that sort of a pace deficit to the person you're battling up until the end of the camel straight. So you have to be really perfect and online there. And I think the last corner is my favorite. After obviously, Eau Rouge, Radion, all of these, I would probably go towards Chicken. And it's incredible. You know what? They have this little uh, camber on the chicane as well. Yeah. So whenever you're driving on the sim, uh, or maybe if you're lucky enough to drive in real life, the car can bottom out badly there. And the Formula 1 drivers make it look so easy. That's the incredible part of there. So it's just a spectacle, quite like what uh, we have in store as well for early in August. We have something planned, right? A spectacle of sorts? We do. Uh, we are going to tease right now. We're not going to officially announce something. But 9th of Mumbai. Uh, 9th, 9th of, of Mumbai, August. Yes. Yeah, 9th of, 9th Mumbai. of Mumbai. There Mumbai. you go. Yes. 9th of <laughs> August in Mumbai, we are going to have a driver who we will interact with, a very, very popular driver. It's the off-season, so the driver availability is fairly high. You can take your pick. It's going to be in Mumbai. It's going to be at Dadar Social. Mm -hmm. For more information, check out for event information on our social media handles. But that's th that's all that I'm going to give. 9th of August in Mumbai. Is there going to be a car? I'm trying. I'm really trying. A race car? Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, uh, not an Uber car, but a race car. I'm trying. No, let's see. But uh, that is going to happen soon. But also, if you want to join in for any of our screenings this week as well at Mallard and uh, Dadar Social, please feel free to check out the link in the description of this episode. But let's move on to the meaty part, right? We had to talk about safety, guys, and this is the big issue. Now, on a very serious note, it is very, very sad and very unfortunate that we've lost two young drivers at one same corner in a very similar incident four years apart. Firstly, Antoine Hubert and then Delano Vantoff. And it's uh, sad and it's unfortunate. And I hope that their families are doing better. But to the point of the circuit, and for some reason, it has been garnering a lot of attention and a lot of, I wouldn't say hatred, but uh, it's been going through a lot of microscopic detail. But I personally, Sundaram, can't for the life of me understand how 
can you make that track safer a and why should you because the problem uh, in in the recent event unfortunately seemed to be visibility and formula 1 is now testing out those spray guards or the spray flaps or whatever they're called uh, but isn't that the challenge of motor racing driving in the spray driving in the rain if it's too bad don't race i wouldn't say i mean i wouldn't put it that way sure it's it's a very dangerous sport and obviously everyone understands the risks um behind it but then at the end of the day it it really is not the best side to see when a driver is is stuck in that sort of an accident and it can turn a little fatal or can turn fatal and you obviously don't want uh, that to happen uh, losing some of these talented drivers um in in terms of spa the sort of safety there there is i think multiple aspects to it first of all rain being a huge concern obviously as well even in the previous instances and that's obviously going to be a focal point this time as well but also around the the, the safety structures around uh, that section it's probably not hmm. or rouge or radion that's the problem it's the barriers the gravel and the the other yes. areas around it because drivers tend to go and hit the barriers and come back straight onto the track and the crest of radion is a blind spot so drivers don't really know what's up ahead of them so fixing it obviously is going to be pretty tricky but it's been 4 years since the first incident first major incident that we had so ideally some sort of measures should have been taken so far but they're all they both very unfortunate incidents aren't they kunal i, I agree that the barrier can be worked on but changing orush we've been here before we've been here in 1994 we've added a chicane it it's racing it's meant to be tricky it's meant to be challenging is it not yeah i'm i'm going to break it down there are i think three elements that we are trying to address the fi by the way i said they are studying they're not going to make an official statement or a change and things will go ahead as planned this weekend but the three things that we are specifically talking of and i'll probably address all three mm-hmm. the way i see it first is visibility right these cars are throwing up more spray more water in the air than the previous several generations of cars and hence visibility is a challenge uh i think the 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 race that happened at the, the freka race where we lost the young touchman was really bad visibility mm. right and i remember mithila and i were we saw incidents and we were she was, she was like formula 1 wouldn't have raced in these conditions why did they let the young kids go race yeah. if the big drivers with super licenses and you know you expect formula 1 drivers to, you are they are at the peak of anybody's driving abilities right so the the first question was why did the race go ahead and if formula 1 visibility is you know lower we don't race so why was freka racing and sort of that's that's an isolated incident right but when it comes to formula 1 visibility they're trying the spray guards and the fia has done a few tests after silverstone uh they don't believe spray guards are the teams don't believe the spray guards are ready to be added to the regulation several things how will pit stops happen do they go mm. in and off the cars and can they be a permanent fixture and and so on so slightly more technical then comes to the speeds that orouge and radilio i think there are other faster corners definitely there are faster corners i mean i think what makes the whole challenge is faster corner plus uh, altitude change plus you know blind cornering etc that goes and hence the barriers you know cars are coming in at massive speeds and then sort of bouncing off or ricocheting off as we call it mm. uh should there be a challenge to the barrier solution i think as keyboard warriors mic warriors as people who are actually not doing the driving risking our lives yes we love how orouge is taken especially on on boards and you know so on so 
I would say, yes, please go fix the barrier before we try and fix Orouge. Yes, we've had a chicane in the early 90s at one point, but we would love for Orouge to be the challenge that it has always been. Can we make it safer by fixing visibility mm. and hence also by fixing barriers? That's where I'm going to leave it. I think racing, racing is just getting too fast generally, isn't it, Sundaram? Because uh, in MotoGP recently, we're also seeing the same debate. And by the way, if you guys aren't following MotoGP, there's a very grim stat that I want to bring up. Honda has four riders. Three of them currently are on their hospital beds injured because they're adding just too much downforce on the bikes. The bikes are too fast. The drivers, uh, the riders rather, are pushing in too quickly into the corners. They're making mistakes. They're crashing. And it's obviously more physical than Formula 1. So you crash and you absorb the impact. And we've not had one MotoGP race with the entire grid on the field at the same time. Not one. Aero. Aero makes a difference. And again, we had, I don't remember who, but uh, I think it was Bob Varsha who came on the Inside Line F1 podcast talking about how Formula 1 fundamentally, before evaluating changing the tracks, needs to evaluate changing the cars. Because obviously, we want to be the number one sport in the world, the fastest cars in the world. But the braking distances are too short. We're carrying too much speed into too many corners. And... The added effect is you need, just need to change your circuits, invest $100 million into building new tracks and then adding safety protections like the halo, crash structures, making the cars heavier, making the cars wider. Whereas if we just make the cars slower, braking distances longer, that solves a lot of the problems. And we don't lose the love for motor racing because the cars then are generally more, unst- more unstable, more on their edge, which is what we used to love from the past. No, Sundaram? I mean, it's would they do that? Would they would they kind of slow the cars down? Because this is the pinnacle of technology as well. So obviously, they would want teams to go all out in terms of innovation in that sense. But sure, there has to be an upgrade in terms of safety. I mean, after the last incident, uh, the Lanaus incident in specific, there's also been a lot of questions raised on the integrity of the whole sashi, uh, chassis area at all because uh, mm. he was T-boned, uh, similar to what happened in 2019. So there's also concerns in that sense. But are we really going to go down that route that cars become slower? What do you reckon, Kunal? You know, I've always always been a fan of racing. Mm-hmm. And I think the faster Formula 1 cars have gone, the worse the racing has been. Yes. I mean, you know, we, we always celebrate Ayrton Senna every Monaco Grand Prix. We remember... We remember that lap, you know, where he was a second ahead of everybody else, blah, blah, blah. If you put that lap on board along with a 2023 car, I think the 23 car is 12 or 13 seconds quicker, which is almost eight tenths every corner. I mean, when you break (laughs) it down, you know, that's that's how you sort of try and build speed at a circuit. You break break where you lose time, where you can gain time. Imagine we celebrate that era for, oh my goodness, what a lap, what a car, but they were so slow. I mean, 13 seconds slower is probably what Formula 2 is doing now around Monaco compared to Formula 1. Anyway, so I just get this feeling, yes, if it makes racing safer, if it makes the racing better, you can still be 2-3 seconds off the pace, still be the fastest series on the planet. Yeah. And solve some of the other challenges but you won't still solve the challenge of having just one fp session on a sprint weekend because can you believe it? we are 19 seconds into this episode we've gone on a lovely tangent of safety 19 seconds in martian time martian 19 minutes my goodness my it's okay, it's okay. my, my measure <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know we haven't like we always do like everybody always does you know six times a year bring up is the sprint format actually working you know 
what is what is working, what's <laughs> not. We've not done that, which means probably it's working. We are just looking forward to having qualifying tomorrow, qualifying on Saturday, a small race on Saturday, a big race on Sunday. We'll see where it goes. The battle for P2 will play out four times this weekend. You know, two yeah. sessions each of racing qualifying. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty excited. I mean, who do you see, who do you Samuel think will be the team in P2 this weekend? I really, from the bottom of my heart, want Williams to be involved, firstly. They scored a point last year. So. They, they did, and, and they're only getting better. Longer straights, faster high-speed corners. This could well be Alex Albon's dark horse race. I'm not saying he's getting a podium. No chance. I think he's going to be fun to watch for on Friday and Saturday, though. Imagine, imagine yet another race with an Albon DRS train. Oh, I would love go. that. It would be fun. I love it when you know midfield teams get in there or lower field teams get in there, mess up everybody else's strategy. Because hey, why should everybody have a straightforward race like yeah. Max Verstappen? <laughs> quite, quite simply. And then the battles into Lacombe will be incredible. And then maybe we could get to see some cars go side by side heading out of La Source and heading into Eau Rouge. That would be fantastic. But no, realistically, in my head, uh, I, I'm i confused. And I'm confused for good reason. Because as I mentioned earlier in the episode, McLaren are scared of the first sector. Mercedes are always a little bit volatile. Aston Martin, since the new tyre construction has come in, have been in a bit of a tricky spot. And that long main straight, in terms of just looking at the past races and how things have gone, should not favour them. Again, may, may not. The, the, what happens on track is always different. And Ferrari are just, I don't know. Ferrari. For, for, <laughs> if anything, I think it's going to be Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc being caught behind Alex Albon in that train. But no, Sundaram, it's, uh, it's, it's so amazing that we finally are in the golden era of Formula 1, where we have absolutely no clue who wins Formula 1.5 every single weekend. If anything, you and I could just put a random name out of six to eight drivers, and it could be anyone for all we know, barring Lance Stroll and Carlos Sainz. But take care, that's, that's understood. Oh, absolutely. We we literally cannot predict who's going to be second on the grid this time. I mean, also considering Perez has been having a poor run of qualifying, so we don't know who's going to be P2 and it's not necessarily going to be Sergio Perez. But it's interesting in that sense because we don't know who's going to be uh, right after Red Bull on, on the starting grid. And like you mentioned, we don't know if Aston Martin is going to have a good weekend. But also the fact that Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll have scored so few points uh, around Spa Francochamps. Alonso just has 71 points in 17 races at Spa. Mm. And Lance Stroll, who's also half Belgian, I mean, not half Belgian, he has Belgian heritage. He scored just three <laughs> points in six races. So I don't know if Aston Martin is particularly pumped uh, uh, about this particular race, but uh, it's going to be very, very intriguing. I get a feeling it's going to be McLaren. Okay. Who will be P2? Mercedes have said, we were the second fastest car in Hungary, but McLaren had track position. I have a feeling uh, when it comes to P2, it is not going to be Checo Perez. It's probably going to be Lando Norris. Hmm. That's my feeling. I think McLaren's mid-season jump is something commendable. They actually didn't bring their third uh, upgrade at Hungary. They're going to bring it over the next few races. I'm assuming some things will come up in Spa as well. Mm. And we spoke about it the last episode. So I, I would say it's going to be not Checo Perez, even though he gets two qualifying sessions to get it right. Can he get two out of two right? That's what uh, that's what I'm going to look out for. But I would go for McLaren. And something very interesting. After last 
weekend's race, you know, with all the, mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, hearing Lando Norris and Max Verstappen in the press conference is actually damn good fun. Okay, definitely something you should look out for. The the two drivers were talking of my favorite corner, Puha. Mm-hmm. Max literally said, you know, Lando, you're going to fly in Spa. We are going to go stand at Puha and watch you because you're going to be flat out. And Lando's like, haha, yeah, I'll be flat out one-handed, blindfolded as well. And then Max goes and tell him, tells him, why don't you even take your rear wing off? And typical British humor, which I love. <laughs> Lando Norris said, yeah, I don't need it anyway. It doesn't do much for our car anyway. But to be honest, can you imagine that? How much fun it would be if we didn't have that much downforce heading into Puhon. Have you seen those old onboards, by the way? They, yeah, yeah. They are fantastic. The drivers have to lift and fight because the car loses its rear end in the middle of the corner. Ah, but... It'll be incredible, no? Because uh, Verstappen Norris, we're finally, first time in history, Sundaram, getting to see that fight. Although faintly, just a little bit, but it's one that we've been wanting to see, I think, it, I, I remember this from, what, 2018, 2019, thereabouts, when they both used to race on the Sims uh, back in the day. And then we've all dreamt up of those fights. And oh, one day the two of you will be fighting in a competent car against each other. It could be coming, at least in qualifying this time out. Are you referring to Lando Norris? Yeah. And, oh. and Oscar Pia, and, and the Oscar could also go to the podium this time, finally. That oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. A little bit. <laughs> no, that failed, that failed. I mean, I think, I think Piastri in specific, he's, he was a little hard, hard done in the last two races. He was definitely contending for that podium position. And let's see if he can probably fight for that third place or second place spot this time out as well. Um, but it's nice to see two young guns, especially Lando Norris, finally fighting at the front, although it's just been two races. Um, I've always wondered, you had Leclerc at Ferrari, you had Verstappen at Red Bull, and you have young George Russell um, in Mercedes. When are we going to see Lando Norris come at the front and battle it out with these uh, other rivals of, of his age and era? And we're finally getting to see that. And I hope McLaren's pace continues till the end of the season and they don't get robbed by how uh, fast other cars get due to developments. Uh, but I'm really happy to see Lando and Max fighting out in front. And you know what? Oscar Piastri, even though he's been undone in the last two races, he's getting smarter. He's getting the mileage. He's learning. I, I think his undoing in Hungary was tire management, which is what happened. We saw Hamilton suddenly came out nine seconds behind. He did well. He being Oscar did well. But the next, uh, you know, next uh, round of pit stops actually Piastri didn't do as well so he's he's getting smarter he's going to be incredible so I would love to see both the McLarens up there because that's what they are paying Daniel Ricciardo for to make sure to make sure that both the McLarens are up there not one in (laughs) P2 and the other in P12 (laughs) oh yeah I totally forgot 17 million dollars no that's the compensation amount i think it's 20 i don't know why you reduce three unless he's paying that three vat vat <laughs> it's 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 going in bad no but he, he earns 20 million dollars and gets to drive for alpha tauri once again and gets to compete with yuki sonoda and best of all doesn't get to be under the pressure and the shackles of mclaren which is incredible and we saw last time out i know it's not a tall order pun intended but he out qualified yuki sonoda three thousands of a second it's Th- 13 hundreds of, of a second, second. yeah yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah, I'd it's love good. for that battle. I mean, Yuki Tsunoda has actually said Spa is a high-speed roller coaster. 
I love the fact that we have two races and two qualifying sessions around Spa. If that's if there's one circuit I want to do it two times at, it's Spa. One sec. Are we also going to see a qualifying train then in Spa Sundaram? We always see that, right? People wait in just to get a good run of draft and then it's all a scuffle and it's all messy and Ferrari end up losing out at the end of all. It's uh, that'll be that'll be horrible. It get good. It, I mean, it could get a little messy. Uh, also, uh, since it's probably going to be raining on Saturday as well, also on Friday. So in that sense, it's going to get really messy. I don't know if someone's going to be impeding someone else, but the fact is, it's going to be very variable in in that sense, and it's it's not going to be straightforward. Definitely. <laughs> so we we finally have some semblance of what to look forward to this weekend. Safety is going to be a big talking point. It's definitely going to be Sergio Perez to watch for. Two qualifyings are going to be fantastic. We also have two of us, Kunal, giving our picks for P2. We haven't gotten to yours yet. I I, I would say Lando Norris, McLaren, I'm cheering for them. But, but Ferrari, very crucially, I know none of us have picked. Carlos Sainz was on pole last year after oh, great on. penalties. Yeah. Samuel is like, oh my goodness, somebody talk of Carlos Sainz. I'm the only one, you know, blowing his trumpet or whatever. But Ferrari, Loro Mekis, finally has been released by Ferrari. He will not be at the Belgian Grand Prix weekend. There's a new sporting director at Ferrari. But I suspect it will still be the same old sporting madness at Ferrari. Same old sporting madness. Do you know, uh, they celebrated the... 1976 Formula 1 season by giving us a 1976-like pit stop last time out. Yeah, yeah. And, and Sundaram, have you heard of those uh, re- reports that are coming out of Ferrari that they were all making up their strategy on the way in the race? And Leclerc was like, yeah, figure it out, dude. Tell me something. Uh, and this happened in Hungary. And Carlos Sainz is always uh, chief strategy officer at Ferrari anyway. So I, I think that chaos is going to be fun to watch. It'll, it'll be good. I don't know if it's going to be fun for the Ferrari fans, but it happens almost every single time. And the last time, I mean, Carlos Sainz was doing this once again in Hungary, defining what his strategy has to be, if it's too early, if it's too late. And I love that side of him as well. Uh, it's it's always difficult when you're driving to also have an eye on strategy and suggest these sort of things. But he seems to be doing that extremely well. And I hope they get their pit stops right, this time at least, because sometimes it's... It's really shambolic. It's it's really depressing to see Ferrari making these mistakes time and time again. When you see Red Bull pulling out 1.9 second pit stops, uh, I hope they really pull things together this time. No, makes sense. I, I I hope so as well. I rather I hope I don't because that'll add for more entertainment, and that's what we need this weekend as well. But no, it's uh, great to know our predictions for P2 as well. And eventually, folks, if you are going to be in Mumbai this Sunday. I was about to say Varsova Social because we had such an amazing turnout there last time. But Malad Social and Dada Social is the place to be. Check out the link in the description for how you can join us. This has been the Inside Line F1 podcast. Subscribe to us for more of the same. And we'll be back on Monday with the post-race review episode. Take care, everyone.